0: Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, July 29th, 2022. Coming up this hour.
1: NASDAQ futures rally thanks to earnings from Amazon and Apple.
0: Intel and Roku shares sell off on disappointing quarterly results.
1: Big oil in the spotlight this morning with Exxon
2: and Chevron reporting.
0: And Janet Yellen says the U.S. economy is slowing but not in a recession.
2: A former New York State Supreme Court justice has been sentenced for taking bribes. Plus, flooding in eastern Kentucky has left at least 18 People dead. I'm Mike Barr. More ahead.
3: I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Aaron Judge strikes again. A home run bottom of the ninth inning, giving the Yankees
4: a one nothing win over Kansas City. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 11 New York, Bloomberg 99-1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App.
1: And good Friday morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
5: And
0: I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 25 points, Dow futures up 65, NASDAQ futures up 130, the tax in Germany is up 7 tenths of a percent, 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 2.70 percent, and the yield on the two-year, 2.86 percent. Nathan?
1: Oh, Karen, the lift we're seeing in NASDAQ futures this morning follows earnings from two tech giants. Let's begin with Amazon. Those shares are surging nearly 12% this morning after the company reported revenue that topped estimates and gave a strong sales forecast for the current quarter. Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Retail Analyst Poonam Goyle says it's quite a different story than another high-profile retailer.
0: We were not worried about what we saw earlier this week with Walmart taking down guidance, as we had thought that Amazon has a different customer base. Amazon doesn't target the low-income consumer, so we didn't think Walmart's woes would bleed into Amazon, and that's exactly what we saw today.
1: Bloomberg intelligence analyst Poonam Goyal says Amazon added full and part-time jobs at the slowest pace since 2019 in an effort to cut costs.
0: Well, Apple shares are also higher, Nathan. They're up almost two and a half percent. The company. The company's revenue and profit narrowly topped estimates, with iPhone sales holding up better than expected. Tom Giles is an executive technology editor for Bloomberg News.
1: The market took away that Apple so far is weathering the downturn relatively well. Um, and they... Even though they missed on a couple of their different products, they did uh, surpass Wall Street's uh, projections on the iPhone, which is their biggest product, all-important product.
0: Bloomberg's Tom Giles says the iPad also performed better than feared, though other products, including Macs and wearables, fell short of projections. We'll have more on Apple and Amazon coming up shortly when we speak with Gene Munster, the co-founder of Loop Ventures.
1: On the flip side of the tech story, Karen, shares of Intel are down more than 9 percent in early trading. The chipmaker's profit and sales missed estimates,
4: and it's also slashing forecasts. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellett. The world's biggest maker of computer processors was weighed down by a steep drop in demand for data center chips and a steep decline in PC shipments. After 2 years of growth, spending on laptop and desktop machines is declining quickly as rising inflation is leading consumers to shy away from large purchases. The market for chips that power PCs is still Intel's biggest source of revenue and the cash needed to fund an ambitious attempt by CEO Pat Helsinger to restore the company to semiconductor industry leadership in New York Charlie Pallet Bloomberg Daybreak
0: all right, Charlie, thank you. We have another stock getting hammered this morning, Roku. Shares are plunging 25 percent. The maker of streaming TV devices reported disappointing second quarter results. Roku said advertisers are pulling back on spending due to economic concerns.
1: Now The earnings continue today, Karen, with big oil in the spotlight. Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger reports ExxonMobil and Chevron post quarterly results this morning.
3: There could be a lot to like when ExxonMobil reports. Bloomberg Intelligence says the company likely saw a substantial increase in net earnings from its refining unit. If that drove a major improvement in free cash flow, it could mean faster share buybacks. Refining improvements at Chevron likely lag behind ExxonMobil. BI says the company's balance sheet may be in a net cash position before the end of the year if it continues to hold back on share repurchases. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Naples break.
0: All right, Jeff, thank you. Well, turning to the economy now, there's a key report coming up before we wrap up the week. The University of Michigan issues its National Consumer Sentiment Index for July at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. And Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. The prior
3: report covering early July showed long-term inflation expectations declined. At that time, at least, the consumer surveyed anticipated prices would rise at an annual rate of 2.8 percent. Over the next 5 to 10 years, today we're pushing 9% inflation. Overall consumer sentiment is suffering with the University of Michigan index at historic lows. Vinny Delgier, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Vinny, thank you. And that sentiment report comes a day after the latest GDP data fired up the debate over whether the U.S. has slipped into a recession. One top official says no. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita.
6: Good morning, Nathan. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is rejecting the notion that the U.S. has entered a recession. She points to continued job creation, gains in consumer spending, strong household finances, and growth in business. Although she acknowledges a slowdown is needed to tame inflation.
0: We know there are challenges ahead of us. Growth is slowing globally. Inflation remains unacceptably high. And it's this administration's top priority to bring it down.
6: Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she remains optimistic about the country's ability to fight inflation. Live in New
0: York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. We also have news on the geopolitical front this morning. President Biden and Xi Jinping have now agreed to set up an in-person meeting, and Bloomberg Ed Baxter has the details.
4: This could be interpreted as a positive sign that dialogue could remain open, but Tensions remain high with words like constructive left out of the readouts. White House spokeswoman Karen Jean-Pierre says Taiwan was a major issue.
0: President Biden underscored that the United States policy has not changed and that the United States strongly opposes unilateral efforts to change the status
4: Also mentioned in the readouts, efforts to fight climate change and protect the global macro economy. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed,
1: thanks. S&P futures up 24 points right now. Dow futures up 60. NASDAQ futures up 125. Local headlines and a check of sports up next. This is Bloomberg. And it's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 76 degrees in Central Park and dealing with an accident on the westbound LIE. Exit 37, Willis Avenue. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr's here with what else is going on in New York.
2: And around the world. Happy Friday, Michael. Happy Friday to you, Nathan. A former New York State Supreme Court Justice was sentenced to a year and four months in jail. Attorney General Letitia James says former judge John McElch accepted bribes and from a Democratic Party political operative. James says McCallock took bribes from former Erie County Democratic Committee Chairman G. Stephen Pigeon in exchange for political, judicial, and personal favors. In Kentucky, at least eight people are dead after more than 10 inches of rain in 24 hours. It submerged homes, washed away roads, and triggered mudslides. Governor Andy Beshear has declared a state of emergency.
1: State police are fully active,
4: have an extra helicopter that can be used in rescues. The Transportation Cabinet is actively working, preparing for debris removal. Uh, Fish and Wildlife uh, is uh, out with boats uh, working to make water rescues where safe for
1: their personnel. Forestry is uh, ready. Uh, for any cleanup. This is an all hands on deck.
2: Governor Bashir says about 20,000 people are without power. Former President Donald Trump says the Saudi funded Live Golf Circuit has created a gold rush for players. Trump played around yesterday on his home course at Trump National, Bedminster. This one was the Live Golf Invitational Pro Am. The former president says what the Saudi-backed league is doing is good for golf because it gives players an alternative. Trump also says nobody has gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Three hostile foreign actors breached the federal court's document management system via an incredibly significant and sophisticated cyber attack more than 18 months ago. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Gerald Nadler, said that the hack had a disturbing impact on both pending civil and criminal litigation and national security. The Mega Millions lottery drawing tonight, the jackpot, $1.1 billion. What would you do with all that money?
4: Pay some bills. Definitely pay bills. Uh, that'll be a priority. That's the number one priority for me, knock some bills down. Uh, and after that, uh, I'll see what I got left.
2: It's the third largest prize in U.S. lottery history. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All
1: right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to five ten on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanchard.
3: All right, good morning, Nathan. The Yankees' 67th win of the year, their 12th walk-off win, and three of those 12 games have ended just like this one. And the pitch swung.
4: Hit in the air. to deep left center. It is high. was far. It has got a walk-off home run to win the game. A judge-in blast. A one-out. Bottom of the ninth, home run by Judge to win the ball game, one nothing.
3: Chris John Sterling, WFAN. Great pitchers duel. Kansas City's Brady Singer went seven innings, allowed only one hit, struck out ten. The Yanks, Jameson Tyone, Ron Marinaccio, Clay Holmes. Together, they gave up only four hits with no walks, twelve strikeouts, so scoreless until the Aaron Judge blast, 431 feet off Scott Barlow. Judge's 39th home run. He had never had a walk off homer before this season. He's now had three in the last two and a half months. Andrew Benintendi made his Yankee debut, faced the team that just traded him. He batted leadoff one over for 4. The series continues tonight. Mets tonight visit the Marlins. The Mets sent two minor leaguers to Cincinnati for outfielder Tyler Naquin, who was hitting two forty six for the Reds. The Rangers drafted Capo Kakos second overall a few years ago. They've given the 21-year-old a two-year contract extension. The Jets signed linebacker Quan Alexander. He had been with New Orleans before that the 49ers, where he was coached by Jets coach Robert Sala. Why out DK Metcalf has a new contract with Seattle, three years, seventy-two million. Dallas Cowboys signed kick returner Cavante Turpin. He was the USFL MVP playing for the New Jersey Generals. John Stashewa, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. All right, John. Thanks. S and P futures now up twenty-four points. Dow futures
1: up one hundred. Sorry, up fifty-five points. Nasdaq futures up one hundred twenty-six. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather, chance for an afternoon shower or thunderstorm today, otherwise partly sunny upper 80s. Mix of sun and clouds through the weekend, highs tomorrow and Sunday around 85 to 90. Right now, 76 degrees.
4: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
0: And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and the U.S. are set for their biggest monthly advance since November 2020. On positive earnings, NASDAQ futures are higher after hitting a seven-week high yesterday and after Amazon and Apple earnings. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 25 points this morning. Dow futures up 54 and NASDAQ futures up 137. That's up about 1.1%. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 932 seconds yield 2.7 one percent. The yield on the two-year, two point eight seven percent. And IMEX crude oil is up two and a quarter percent, up two dollars fifteen cents at ninety eight dollars fifty eight cents a barrel. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning.
2: Good morning, Karen. President Xi Jinping warned against meddling in China's dealings with Taiwan during a phone call with his U.S. counterpart, Joe Biden. It comes among Beijing's opposition to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's possible visit to Taiwan that China claims as its own. Flooding in eastern Kentucky has left at least eight people dead. Governor Andy Beshear has declared a state of emergency. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Royals, one zip. The Red Sox beat the Guardians. The Orioles shut out the Rays. And the Giants beat the Cubs. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg QuickTech, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. In more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg.
1: All right, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn our focus back to tech earnings. Amazon and Apple are both set to add almost $230 billion in market value after uh, joining their peers, Alphabet and Microsoft, and easing investor concerns by reporting higher revenue even in the face of higher inflation. Let's get more on these results now. Gene Munster joins us live co-founder of Loop Ventures. Gene, great to speak with you. I want to start with Amazon uh, just because the shares are surging so much this morning, nearly 12% in the pre-market, cranking out the revenue even with inflation and cost cuts. Do you think that can continue in this environment?
7: Well, I think it can, and I think it, it's going to continue because uh, just stepping back and looking at the big picture here is that bellwether companies are missing traditional Old school bellwether companies and some tech companies are missing. But the tech giants are doing better and the reason is that there are some tailwinds that power through even what's going on with the macro. And I just want to put some context into Amazon, what's going on with their revenue growth. It was 7% in the June quarter. If you assume they hit the high end of their guidance, which is prob- or the midpoint of their guidance, uh, they'll be 17%. So a nice acceleration. And to answer your question, can this continue? Uh, The answer is it can continue that these big tech companies will do better on a relative basis than their peers. Not to say that all companies are going to be immune. It's hard to predict what the depth and the the length of the recession is going to be. So, And I want to answer the substance of your question is why can it continue? And the answer is that uh, surprisingly we're still early in e-commerce. If you look at the most aggressive Estimates are that 25% of what's bought in the U.S. is bought online globally, 20%. And that eventually is probably going to be 50 or 60%. And when you have a company like Amazon that's building infrastructure that really no one can compete with, those types of factors are why this growth rate can continue. Simply, they're gaining share in a market where consumers are getting more uh, uh, frugal.
1: Just get into the weeds a bit, is Amazon going to be able to do it by raising prices or is it going to have to do it through cutting costs, a combination, or is it going to have to lean more on the cloud as opposed to the e-commerce side of its business?
7: It's cutting costs, and Jesse said that they're making progress on containing costs that they referenced last quarter, particularly improving productivity of their fulfillment network. And that's the big takeaway here is that they have a network that really no one can compete with. These are the trucks. These are the fulfillment centers. They overbuilt them in the June quarter, in the March quarter, in December of last year, and now they're starting to reap some of those benefits. So that's how it can continue on the profitability side.
1: I want to turn to Apple now, and I love the headline on your note out this morning on Apple's earnings. iPhone is stronger than an acre of garlic. What do you mean by that, Gene? Um
7: it's an old Texas term. Uh it's uh there's a colleague of mine that's used it for years and I never fully appreciated it being uh born and, and raised in the in the Midwest, but it basically is an iconic uh, any anything that can really blow you away is stronger than an acre of garlic, and that is the case with the iPhone. Just quickly put some perspective on it. Is that the segment grew three percent year over year, and this is about half of their business, which doesn't sound very impressive but when you put it in the context that it was up against a monster 50% comp a year ago uh it is quite impressive it was surprising that it grew at all and the comment that jumped out to me from the earnings call was cook's assessment that in respect to the iPhone that there was no obvious evidence of macroeconomic impact on the june quarter for for the for the iPhone and that really uh, surprised me and I think is an example of, uh, you know, just the strength of, of iPhone and, and specifically of its move. It's basically become an essential. So the quarter wasn't perfect. Apple's quarter wasn't perfect. But the most important product really shined, and I think it's evidence of our dependence on it.
1: Only about a minute left here, Gene. So iPhone and iPad did well, but as you allude to, a lot of other segments of Apple's business were pretty soft, like Macs, like wearables. Is that an issue going forward?
7: Macs, it's not, because they basically had a product transition that accounted for that shortfall. But the the wearables business, that that was a disappointment. They um, missed expectations by 10%. It was down 8% year over year. And I think that's an example of consumers holding off. I think they're still largely uh, discretionary, uh, potentially luxury. So I think that that segment could continue to be under pressure. But I would expect that the Mac and iPad to bounce back because, again, I think that this trend to hybrid, whether it's work and learn, even though we've had a lot of investment in it, it's going to continue in the years to come.
1: Thanks, Gene. Great having you with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Gene Munster, co-founder of Loop Ventures, on the latest tech earnings. Amazon shares this morning, as I mentioned, up nearly 12% in the pre-market. Apple shares higher by 2.5% following those earnings. Driving NASDAQ futures higher as a whole. NASDAQ up 140 points for a gain of 1.1%. S&P futures are up 25 points. Dow futures are higher by 46 points. Just ahead, the earnings focus shifts to big oil and the political debate over recession. Top stories of the morning on the way. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Chance for afternoon showers and storms today with a high in the upper 80s. Sunshine tomorrow, upper 80s. Mix of sun and clouds Sunday. Upper 80s. Get used to it. Right now, 76 in Central Park.
4: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Clash.
0: And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and U.S. stock index futures heading for their biggest monthly advance since November 2020 on positive earnings. We're watching NASDAQ futures outperform this morning after hitting a seven-week high yesterday and after Amazon and Apple earnings. This, uh, we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 28 points this morning. Dow futures up 71 and NASDAQ futures up 146. That's up 1.2%. The DAX in Germany is up nine tenths of a percent. The 10-year treasury down 1230 seconds. yield 2.71%. The yield on the two-year 2.88%. Nivex crude oil is up 2.2% of $2.15 at $98.57 a barrel. Comex gold is up a third of a percent or $6.20 at seven- seventeen seventy five thirty an ounce. The Euro one point oh one nine four against the dollar, British pound one point two one four six and the yen one thirty three point four one. And Bitcoin this morning is a little changed. It is at $24,016. $24,016. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash, now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
2: Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping told aides to plan an in-person meeting during yesterday's call. The fifth conversation between the leaders of the world's two largest economies centered on Taiwan, a longtime flashpoint exacerbated by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's possible visit to the island next month. Flooding in eastern Kentucky has left at least eight people dead. The area is bracing for more rain. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Royals 1-zip. The Red Sox beat the Guardians 4-2. The Orioles shut out the Rays 3-0. The Giants beat the Cubs 4-2. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael,
1: thanks. It is now 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker studios, this is... Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn now to the nation's capital, where, as Michael mentioned, President Biden is making plans to meet with China's Xi Jinping after their long phone call yesterday, though the president won't have a surging U.S. economy to brag about once they do go face-to-face. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins now from our Bloomberg 911 studios in Washington, D.C. Emily, good morning. It does seem as though there's a kind of a political parlor game that's surfaced now after the latest GDP reading for the U.S., and it does really have some geopolitical dimensions as well in this era of great power competition.
6: Absolutely, Nathan. I mean, you just see are seeing a lot of dynamics play out right now. Um, I guess first let's talk about that phone call between President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping. It uh, lasted a little over two hours. And they're uh, the White House then reported afterwards that they are now trying to get an in-person meeting between Biden and Xi. This would be the first of Biden's presidency. Of course, this is coming at a little bit of a, a tricky time on the, the Washington side as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi is reportedly going to be traveling to Taiwan. Now, the speaker's office has not confirmed those plans. They say it's a safety risk. Uh, but certainly I've, we've talked to lawmakers who have said that Pelosi invited them on the trip. Uh, this very much seems like, like a thing that's going to go forward at this point. And a lot of lawmakers are supportive of Pelosi on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell said she'd be handing China a win to back down now. So Pelosi is expected to leave on that trip to Asia Pacific region today. She's going to go to a number of countries, including Japan and, and Indonesia, um, exactly when she's going to Taiwan has not yet been announced. Um, but yesterday, uh, when that call happened between Biden and Xi, she uh, warned Biden uh, to not play with fire. Kind of, they, it's not necessarily clear that they were discussing the trip exactly, uh, but both sides definitely restated their current positions on Taiwan. Uh, Biden says that the U.S. does not want to undermine uh, the status quo and undermine peace and stability in the. Taiwan Strait. And then this is also coming as the White House is dealing with the economic news uh, that GDP was then down for another second quarter. And the White House is doing everything it can to send the message that this is not a recession, uh, that even though you have th- these two quarters of declining GDP growth, that the job market is still strong, that the economy is still showing signs of strength. Of course, Nathan, though, the difficulty here from, from a purely political perspective, the average American is not sitting around saying, well, well, it is a recession or it isn't a recession. The average American is simply dealing with the higher prices that they're seeing at the grocery stores. Uh, gas station prices, sure, they've come down. They're still high compared to what they were a year ago. And, I mean, those are really the things that are going to wind up making a difference here in terms of the political outlook for Biden and the Democratic Party.
1: Yeah, even as the Biden administration is saying that we're not in a recession, they're still doing things like pushing for uh, big pieces of legislation, big spending legislation with the CHIPS Act and now this deal between Senators Manchin and Schumer to try to bring inflation down. I mean, that feeds into the story as well about whether this country's in a recession.
6: It does. And there's also an interesting aspect of that Manchin-Schumer debate. Remember, Joe Manchin's big concern, his big opposition to this package was the inflationary impact that it could have. And you actually saw Larry Summers. uh, He met with Manchin. The two of them spoke. He assured them that the package was not inflationary. And that was part of the uh, thinking of Manchin's that ultimately went into him deciding to go forward with this agreement. Now, of course, it will remain to be seen. Certainly, you've already seen Republican Republicans take that covid relief package that Democrats back in twenty twenty one and tie that to inflation. You've already started to see them tie this upcoming reconciliation package to inflation as well. And we expect to see that continue until November with the with the midterms.
1: Only about 30 seconds left here. What are the chances that uh, either the chips bill or the reconciliation package get done before the Senate heads out of town in Washington?
6: Well, Nathan, Chips is done. It passed the House yesterday after passing the Senate earlier this week. It's on the way to Biden's desk. Reconciliation, that's a bit of a trickier question. You've got two main obstacles right now to that getting done soon. Number one, Senate parliamentarians got to go through all that text, give it a green light uh, or a red light, which could wind up impacting what's in the bill. That'll take some time. And we still don't know if Senator Kirsten Sinema supports that package. Remember, she was not a big fan of that carried interest tax. That is... um, uh, now included in this bill and it might keep her
0: from ultimately supporting it which would kill the entire thing.
1: Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from Washington. Emily thank you. Karen.
0: All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.54 on Wall Street. Now to a legal story we're watching this morning, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Attorney General, General Merrick Garland has acknowledged that the Justice Department's investigation into January 6th is now focusing on the effort to stop the peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election that statement along with reports of questions asked by prosecutors in the grand jury indicate that the justice department is investigating former president donald trump's efforts to create fake electors to overturn the election for more Bloomberg's June grasso speaks to former federal prosecutor robert mince a partner at mccarter in english mark short former vice president pence's former chief of staff and greg jacob His former chief counsel appeared before the grand jury, and they were asked about conversations they had with Trump and his inner circle about efforts to create false electors. What does that signal to you?
5: Well, as you know, this investigation has been going on with the Department of Justice since shortly after the January 6th assault on the Capitol. And since that time, federal prosecutors have charged 840 individuals with various charges directly relating to assaults and to forcibly entering the Capitol. But the investigation has taken a different turn recently because we know that individuals who are being brought before the grand jury are being asked questions directly about the former president's involvement in the efforts to reverse the election loss, and particularly what did he know, when did he know it, and what direction was he giving his lawyers and those around him in the events leading up to January 6th. So that suggests to me that the Department of Justice is taking a more aggressive tone and they are entering what is clearly a very politically fraught phase of this investigation.
0: If Garland were to prosecute Trump, would he want a straightforward case that can withstand scrutiny of court proceedings and appeals? And is a scheme to create fake electors that more straightforward case?
5: If the Department of Justice were to pursue a case against former President Trump, there's no question that Merrick Garland will want a case that is virtually bulletproof. He'll want something that is straightforward, that jurors can understand, and that will ultimately almost guarantee him a conviction and ultimately almost guarantee him that on appeal, the conviction will not be reversed. So at this point, there were two phases of the government's investigation. The first had centered on the seditious conspiracy and conspiracy to obstruct government proceedings. But now the investigation is moving into a second phase, as you mentioned, where the Department of Justice is focusing on this potential fraud associated with the false elector scheme or with pressure that former President Trump and his allies allegedly brought on the Department of Justice and others to falsely claim that the election was rigged and the votes were fraudulently cast. And that's, I think, something that ultimately would be a stronger charge.
0: And as former federal prosecutor Robert Mentz, a partner at McCarter & English, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at B-Law Go. Futures on the rise this morning. Our top stories are straight ahead. And this is Bloomberg.